0: let me tell you about um, GRIP6. You and I, we all work hard for our money. And we want to get the best product. We want the best price. Uh, And at least I do. I think you do, too. You want something that is helping America, helping build America. Um, I'm not an isolationist, but I do believe in America first. And there's a problem. We don't make anything here anymore. We need to. GRIP6. When you buy something from Grip6, you're getting true American experience, products you can count on, a great price, uh, and you're supporting the entire chain here in America. For instance, their socks. You support American ranchers who raise the uh, specially bred sheep that produce the modern wool. The American manufacturers that wash it, process it, weave it into socks so your feet stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer. The American business owners who have accepted the risk that comes along with using only American-made products and American labor. So, put your trust and hard-earned money in a company that does it right. Wear socks that matter. Put your money where your feet are. It's uh, grip 6com Beck. Go there now. Grip6.com/back. program hello America welcome to the Glenn Beck program we have some breaking news from the Washington examiner we're gonna get to here in uh, just about a half an hour Uh, some things that you need to know that's going on with your government Um, also President Trump did something very President Trump yesterday in just an awesome move he went to Ohio while our president is in Poland and Kiev, talking war, President Trump was delivering food, water, supplies, and I think a whole buttload of hamburgers as well. Only President Trump will give you that story and so much more. Beginning in 60 seconds. A lot of good reasons to stock up on emergency food and gear. No emergency is a garden variety emergency, and they should all be taken seriously. Uh, But they shouldn't be done out of fear, but out of wisdom. With potential war hanging over our heads right now, we need to be acting in wisdom. And there is a very short supply of wisdom with a lot of people today. If you go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and stock up on their three-month emergency food kit, you will also get $200 worth of survival gear as a free bonus. You, you don't know what's going to happen. It could. Hopefully, it never happens. But boy, there are so many things stacking up that I could easily see us needing some emergency food supplies just to tide us over. MyPatriotSupply.com. Get your $200 bonus gift that comes free with each three-month emergency food kit you order. That, by the way, is for everybody in your family to be prepared. But hurry, the offer is only good while supplies last. Check this off your list and sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst case scenario ever happens. It's MyPatriot.com, MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, so uh, President Trump was awesome yesterday, just awesome. Uh, He... He went to, I'm trying to see if we have any, yeah, he went to East Palestine uh, yesterday, cut seven, and said this.
1: To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will say with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve, we'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly.
0: Um, I I don't think you could have a stronger contrast um, between the former president and this current president. While he's out gallivanting around the world, giving our money to uh, pension funds in Ukraine, this president is delivering food as a private citizen.
2: Yeah. And not not only did Trump beat biden to ohio
0: he beat Buttigieg to ohio <laughs> the guy he's supposed well, to be but looking he is over riding his bike well he's not riding his bike he's taking a plane and then he's putting the bike in the back of a uh, of a suv and then when he gets about a block away from the cameras right he's gonna ride his bike into town yeah and so. we wearing a fancy helmet when he's doing yeah. that because he's yes, safe he really and he looks really safe. good yo you always look so good you know what i mean uh so anyway, um uh Trump went on the uh, trail yesterday, uh and I think this was a huge score for uh President Trump. Now, speaking of former presidents, there is a um there's another story out. Um a former president Clinton aide who has ties to Epstein died by suicide. Okay, now this this story is a year old. This happened May 7th, 2022. But uh, the family kind of wanted to keep all the details quiet. They were afraid of the, um, the images um, being released. And I don't need to see anybody who has killed themselves. I don't need to see their images. However, his name is Mark Middleton. He's 59 years old. And he was discovered deceased at the Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas, 30 miles from his home in Little Rock. He was sitting next to a tree with an extension cord wrapped around his neck. The other end of the cord was attached to a tree limb above him. But again, he's sitting next to the tree. So he didn't hang himself. Now, uh, how he died was um, a gunshot wound to the chest. And it was a shotgun. Now, if you have a shotgun, I suppose you could reach, but it's a lot easier if you would put it in, you know, to your head because you'd have a little easier time getting to the trigger. I think maybe. I don't know. I've never tried this. Um, so, you know, it's it's difficult to do, but it's possible. Um, although... The weird thing is um there was uh no shotgun um at the scene, so um <laughs> anyway um you know i I just wanted to throw that in just a it might have been an alien in a balloon now, by the way, this guy is uh the guy who let Jeffrey Epstein into the White House over and over and over again uh while he was um uh, while uh, President Clinton was in the White House. Oh, and he took a couple of trips to the island uh, with Jeffrey Epstein and uh, President Clinton. But again, suicide by hanging or it, uh, some sort of magic shotgun that wasn't at the scene of the crime. Okay, uh, let's see. What else is... Uh News today. Oh, um, a uh, vinyl chloride update for you. Yesterday, we read the story to you CDC updates profile for vinyl cl- chloride days before o- Ohio train derailment and removes section on how it affects children. So, yesterday, I told you that we had reached out to the CDC for, you know, I, I'd like to debunk this story. I don't, I mean, I just don't understand. It's really easy right now to say everything the government says is a lie. Very easy. Um, And many times that is true, but it doesn't always make it true. And we should always try to find uh, an answer over a theory. So we um, wrote to the CDC And we said we wanted to get ahead of any conspiracy theories and go straight to the source and ask the CDC, is this merely a coincidence of timing? Number two, why were the updates made? Number three, why was the section on how that vinyl chloride impacts children was removed? What is the CDC's response to the safety of the Ohioans uh, post-toxic chemical release on February 3rd? Thank you. Well, they wrote back. Shocking Mm. CDC wrote back and said, thank you for reaching out on this topic by congressional mandate. The Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry produces and updates toxicological profiles for chemical substances found on its substance priority list. Uh, Also, at National Priorities List, Uh, you can find those at the National Priorities List site. The Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation and Liability Act of 1980 is amended, blah, blah, blah. Further requires that toxicological profiles be updated periodically. They evaluate profiles annually to determine whether updating is necessary. Depending on the complexity of the chemical, the process for developing a tox profile can take up to a year or more. This includes multiple reviews, such as uh, external independent peer review, followed by a release for a 90-day public comment period, incorporating any necessary changes at final Publishing. Uh, they developed the initial Vinyl Chloride Tox profile in 1989, They produced updates in 93, 97, 2006, and 2023 based on the latest information. They have been working on an update for the vinyl chloride tox profile over the past year. Um, It had been made available for public comment on February 9th. Remember, the train derailment was the third. uh, Made available for public comment on uh, February 9th as part of the usual process not related to at all to the situation in East Palestine, a draft talks, uh, talks profile available for public public comment is there, and until May twentieth, twenty twenty three, it updates the two thousand six version. Then um, it doesn't answer any of our other questions. So, I, we, we, I really wanted to know why did you remove the part about the children and the impact on children and mothers, but they decided not to answer that. But there's your answer on why they updated it, and so because I thought you said it happened right before the training. It did, but they posted it. They posted the, um, the public the comment public period. comment period after after. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I mean, it's very look. I think all that does is explain that it theoretically could be a coincidence, right? Like they do it every once in a while. Sure. It, it was just very very. Sure. It doesn't mean it is a coincidence. It just but also, means it, it could be. And I don't even know what the straight line is there when it comes to what the conspiracy theory would be. Have you followed this enough to know what, 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 would, be, what would be the accusation? That they knew there was going to be a train derailment? I and guess. Then, I uh, guess. I mean, uh, I mean it would, it, it, it's kind of a yeah. weird... It's a, that's a, that's a, it's a very strange
0: path if that's what they were doing intentionally. I mean, you would, it, it, it would be a little ridiculous it, I mean, that that's a little ridiculous of a conspiracy. Theory. It's just so coincidental that yeah. if you you just want to ask the questions,
2: which is what we tried, to, we do, do. tried to do and did not get those answers. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure they're coming soon.
0: Now, uh, sp- speaking of this, <laughs> uh, there is a, a kind of an interesting other story on misinformation, disinformation, um, and it revolves around Google. Google has done this really cool thing now. Um, to where, you know, all of everybody's getting out of the world of, uh, you know, disinformation. We're not going to put lists together anymore, blacklist. We're, and, you know, it's interesting to me. I felt something was wrong with this for the last couple of weeks. Every time it's been brought up and brought up in meetings, I've just said, nah. and I didn't know what to verbalize um, until I saw this story. And I'm like, that's what I was feeling. It seemed too easy. They're exposed. They're exposed for, you know, uh, working with this group out of England and making a list, a blacklist. And all of a sudden, Microsoft, Google, everybody's like, oh, you know what? Oh, we're outraged. We had no idea. We're going to stop that blacklist. We're not going to do that anymore. Uh, Right. Mm. Okay. listen to this story. The misinformation or disinformation field has exploded in popularity over the past decade. Forces in American society have been using these terms as a pretext for suppressing certain viewpoints on big tech platforms. Now the world's largest and most used search engine company is getting deeper into the game. Proponents of this endeavor have tried a series of methods to tackle the problem of what they call misinformation. But it appears they have found a new favored strategy. So the reason why they were so willing to go, yeah, whoa, you caught us, we're out, is because they've been working on something even worse. The effort against supposed misinformation has transformed from a left-wing media talking point to a full-blown government-sponsored initiative to combat information inconvenient to the state's objectives. In addition, various private organizations have positioned themselves as champions against false information being propagated on the Internet. To put simply, pre-bunking, pre-bunking, not debunking, pre-bunking is the new tool. It is designed to inoculate people against the spread of misinformation on digital platforms Rather than publishing information to expose supposedly false claims, it relies on conditioning individuals to view certain types of arguments as fake news before they ever encounter them. Hmm. This is what a, types of arguments. This is uh, uh, objectives <laughs> of, is accomplished through the use of strategic videos strategic ads and even online games like cat park, which is funded by the department's, the state department's global engagement center to crack down on the impact of populism on foreign elections. Google through its jigsaw unit has been one of the entities at the forefront of the debunking initiative. This is from debunking or pre This is, Oh, sorry. Pre okay, initiative. <laughs> This is from uh, just the news. After experimenting on Americans, after experimenting on Americans and Eastern Europeans last year, Google is expanding a program to inoculate YouTube viewers against purported misinformation and disinformation to Europe's largest economy and the world's soon to be biggest country. The Alphabet-owned company gave the Associated Press a preview of its pre-bunking initiative expansion into Germany. It will focus on the ease of presenting photos and videos as evidence of something false. So what they're saying here is they just need to precondition you really without you really knowing it. By manipulating different videos and ads directed towards what you might be predisposed to think. So, you know, if you don't trust the government, you're going to get a lot of preconditioning to show that really the government is really very uh, helpful and truthful. You just have been misguided. And my guess is it won't say you're misguided you'll just start to have an algorithm that is very slowly pro-government as opposed
2: to the one that exists now that is very obviously pro-government yeah Uh, but no I, i think i see what you're saying this goes back to some of the research we've talked about over the years where you can really easily without anyone noticing change the experience for a user on a search engine and it's going to become even more blatant with ai i mean you know no one only the only ai uh, you know transcripts that you read are the ones that people post intentionally on Mm -hmm. twitter or whatever Mm -hmm. you you don't there's no record of them you know this is why it would be so hard they're talking about this for homework why it'd be so hard for the plagiarism thing to be caught now because there's no record of what the ai is going to write for a kid that wants to write an essay correct and so you push that to a place where company that may have very close ties to the government and may Mm -hmm. have an agenda similar Mm -hmm. to the
0: government wants to push through uh, that agenda,
2: be very easy to do it.
0: Imagine if they had this uh, pre-crime or pre-debunking of, let's say, ESG. They could have had videos made that they were pushing out Mm -hmm. showing, oh, ESG is is not real or it's really, really good and not what it said before we were talking about it. Mm Mm-hmm. That way, I would have a much more difficult time getting this message out because too many people would be predisposed to go, yeah, war is good. War is peace. Back in just a second, Car Shield, if you're somebody who prides yourself on planning ahead uh, of difficult or even emergency situations, um, when your car is out of warranty, you just don't know. When it breaks down, and it's not an if, it is a when, car expenses can set you back if you're not really prepared for them. And it's especially true right now. That's why I urge you to go to CarShield and look for an affordable protection plan that will fit your budget. Um, you're going to want to have it at a time when you know, costly repair comes down the road. And those are usually chips. And there's like 3,000 chips in cars now you're going to have to have somebody watching your back for those expensive things or can set you in your budget way back, way back. When your car breaks down, you're stuck on the side of the road. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, trip reimbursement, no extra costs. Lock in your price today and it will never go up. Car Shield save 20% on your plan. You'll always be prepared for the unexpected. 800-227-6100. 800-227-6100. It's carshield.com slash back. 10 seconds. Station ID. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, a couple of things today. How much time do I have here, Sarah? Um, uh, There's a couple of things that you need to be aware of. Uh, And you will get more information. We're doing a special in two weeks. Um, This is taking multiple weeks of research to show you what the government is actually doing to our power grid. Um, Unbeknownst to you, they are dismantling our power grid. They are destroying our coal fire plants and they are incentivizing our power companies to do it. And those coal fire plants are going to be sold. And you'll understand why um, uh, in a little while, but they're being sold and they're being sold at unbelievably discounted prices uh, for scrap metal. Once these things are closed, they're closed and dismantled, and it takes years to build them back. We've got to stop these power plants from being dismantled, Uh, and I'll give you all of the information on that, plus... Uh, there because there is legislation that is starting to go through at the state level it's got to happen at the state level then there's also something else that's happening with the uh, the uniform commercial code the UCC it is now being changed this code is being changed state by state they say it's no big deal but it redefines the definition of money meaning, it becomes a digital central bank currency. This too has got to be stopped at the state level. We'll give you all the details coming up. The Glenn Beck program. Oh look, here's a YouTube video on how those things are a conspiracy. Uh, when it uh, when was the last time that you got only um, you you had not only uh, good. But you had better service from a competing product, and you got it for cheaper. That's the kind of thing that you don't see every day, especially in the field of cell phone service. But it's exactly what you can expect from Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We've got to start doing business with each other and hold each other up because we're all in this one together. They're offering service now with all three major networks, which means if you're with one of the big three, you like their service, but you hate their values. And the fact that, you know, like Verizon is sending money to Planned Parenthood, Um, Patriot Mobile comes with a a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with their coverage, you can switch among the big three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, they share your values. They're not going to send your money to the destruction of America, but, but the building up of America. 100% 100% U.S.-based customer service team will make your switching easy. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 878-PATRIOT. You can support the movement at BlazeTV.com
2: slash Glenn. Use the promo code glen and save.
0: Gabe Kaminsky is an investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner, and he has been on the uh, program just recently. He was on, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago, to talk about the British group that is fighting disinformation um, and making a blacklist of conservative media. Uh, Well, he has a new story that has just dropped today, and that is um, uh, a story on James Comer demanding records From the State Department and their funding of the uh, of the group of blacklisting conservatives. This is an amazing story to think that our State Department has funded an effort to uh, stop advertising on programs like and truly including mine. Um, My tax dollars are going to hurt my own business. It is incredible. Welcome uh, to the uh, program, Gabe. How are you?
1: Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having me.
0: So tell me the latest twist in this. What's happening?
1: The latest twist is following the National Endowment for Democracy, a State Department-backed entity announcing it will no longer provide future resources to the Global Disinformation Index. Today, Representative James Comer, Chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Uh, has sent a letter to the State Department and Secretary Antony Blinken, uh, and he's demanding uh, documents in connection to funding of the Global Disinformation Index by March 9th. He's also demanding a briefing by the State Department no later than March 2nd. So this is just the latest development in Republicans in Congress beginning to investigate this funding.
0: Um, Explain to people why this matters so much.
1: You know, what we've uncovered through our series, Disinformation, Inc., in the Washington Examiner, is how the U.S. Department of State has been funding an organization called the Global Disinformation Index, which has been secretly feeding and compiling blacklists uh, of conservative news websites and feeding those to advertising companies with the intent of uh, shutting down those websites, places trying to dictate where you can read and get your information, places like the blaze the daily wire the washington examiner and certainly your radio show glenn uh and so what we found is that the state department is funding that group the global disinformation index uh which has raised pretty pretty big red flags among first amendment lawyers
0: have you seen the story um about the um google effort called jigsaw
1: I'm not familiar
0: now. OK, you, you should look into this as part of your series because you're so good at your investigative reporting. Um, there is a story out now about Jigsaw. And and what's bothered me was, you know, Bing and everybody else immediately jumping on the bandwagon saying, oh, my gosh, we had no idea that that global initiative. That was huh, we had no we're not going to use that anymore. There's a story out now about um uh pre bunking instead of debunking pre bunking and Google is using a device that they have um put together uh called jigsaw and it is going to um push things out uh to let me see if I can get the uh uh but uh, the way they have said this is in, is absolutely incredible um it is not just going to expose false claims it relies on quote conditioning individuals to view certain types of arguments as fake news even before they encounter them that sounds a little spooky
1: yeah, I, I will say that that does sound spooky. And I, I'll tell you what, Glenn, that sounds very similar to uh, what we've unpacked with the Global Disinformation Index, because they've been identifying disinformation as not merely fraudulent or false uh, information, but actually opinion articles that they disagree with. And so, right. for example, they've been flagging Washington Examiner pieces that are based on research that are commentary as disinformation. So certainly the movement has morphed into this uh disagreement with ideas you don't like, you know?
0: It's really, really unbelievable. Gabe, thank you so much for uh, all of your work. And this story just broke just a few minutes ago. You can find it at the Washington Examiner. If you're not reading the Washington Examiner every day, you're missing out. It is a um, must-read website. Thank you so much, Gabe. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. Bye-bye. He's an investigative reporter, has been looking at all of this disinformation um, and I I mean, my tax dollars, my tax dollars are being put to use to silence me. I mean, it's incredible. And by the way, it's not the first time
2: it's happened to you, <laughs> which uh, congrats. Yeah. Uh, but this is a
0: totally new
2: type well, of effort.
0: It's, it is the first time. It's not the first time people have gone after me. Yeah. But if you remember right, the press had no interest in. Uh, when the White House had organized three or four separate, uh, attempts outside of the White House, but all from within the White House.
2: Right. Like it was, you know, it was people who worked in the White House and they had side organizations that were coming after you. I guess it's a little bit different.
0: Yeah. It's a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, but they had been doing that and nobody paid attention to that. No one cared. Uh, nobody cared now but this is the first time and this is all of government approach this is what joe biden is doing it's all government approach to stopping whatever it is they want to stop yeah and so they'll use and find all of the levers in all of these different agencies i mean i wouldn't be surprised to see if the usda was you know uh working against energy or working against disinformation or whatever it is yeah and and it's it's it
2: ties into what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks where the disinformation police if you will is something that actually could have value to society especially right now where we're going into a world where ai and deep fakes and and voice replication and all these things are coming Mm -hmm. And having institutions that could sift through this for us and let us know when something was real and was something wasn't would be truly valuable if it wasn't being done like this. If we could have trust in these institutions, media sources, government, all of these things that are supposed scientists, health officials, all these people are supposed to be around to help us go through this stuff and figure out what's real and what isn't. Instead what's happened is they've pre-bunked the whole process. Correct. They've come up with they they've made everyone not believe the fact-checking process before these crucial moments occur. And now no one knows where to turn.
0: Well, I think it's really it's becoming easier. You know anything that the networks are telling you is most likely at least slanted, but very well possibly false. Okay, you can't. This is the thing on um, the same thing with Putin and uh, and Ukraine. More than one thing can be true. Okay, Mm -hmm. so uh, I don't like Putin. However, what Putin said in his speech, some of some of it was very true. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't. And by saying that, that doesn't make me a supporter of Putin. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, there's there's another option. Putin is right about these things, wrong about other things. That doesn't make me have to choose between Putin or Biden. I don't want Biden leading a war in Ukraine. I like the people of Ukraine. I don't like the government of Ukraine because it's absolutely corrupt. I don't like the government of the United States because it appears to be absolutely corrupt. I don't like the government of Russia. It appears to be absolutely corrupt. So I don't have to pick sides. I can say I like and support the people, but I don't support any of those governments. I don't support any of them in the war. None. I don't want my money going there. I don't want it, uh, you know, going against Putin. And I don't want uh, a, a nuclear war on Putin. Last night I did a special on the effects of nuclear war. And it was really eye-opening because we really don't take it seriously at all anymore because we all learn that, nah, that's not good. <laughs> you can't win in that war. But there was something in last night's special right towards the beginning that I thought was so important. And that is the idea that This is the first time, and think of this, this is the first time that uh, two nuclear superpowers, Russia and the United States, uh, would be facing off face-to-face. We've always fought through proxies like it's happening right now, Mm -hmm. but Russia is now saying that we we have... uh, um, Perpetrated the Nord Stream pipeline explosion, which is a crime against humanity, war crimes, okay? And we're saying war crimes against them. And they are also saying that uh, by us being there and spending so much money and doing all this and giving them advice, we're directly engaging. We are also saying that the only way that we're going to end this is if Putin and his regime is gone. So it's regime change. He is saying that it's either us or them because I'm not going anywhere. So if they defeat, they'll defeat our entire system. So they cannot win. The United States is trying to destroy us. They're trying to destroy us. We're trying to destroy them, okay? That's never happened since we had nuclear missiles. It's never happened. We've never gone toe-to-toe, face-to-face, and it's always been about another issue. It hasn't been, I'm going to topple you. That's what makes this nuclear uh, flashpoint different than all of the other flashpoints. It's always been about something else. But now both sides are on record, crimes against humanity, regime change. Mm. That's what if we got into a war and we know we knew Putin was winning and it meant the end of NATO and possibly the end of America. Would we consider using nukes? It means the end of us and the end of Europe. I think we would. If they are losing and they feel like that's the end of Russia and they're going to be taken over by NATO, will they use nukes? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. That's the biggest thing you need to understand about this. I still don't think that it's a reality, that it will happen. I do think that when you have the understanding that both sides are backing each other into a corner and they're both calling for the decapitation of those systems, both sides, you're in a different world.
2: Mm, that's and you're right. I mean, it's never happened. It seems to me the the best way to avoid this is going to sound very basic, but the best way to avoid this escalating is for the current president to be voted out of office and someone else being in control of those decisions. If we can make it that long. Yeah, and that's still, you know,
0: still still two years away. Two years away. Two years away. A year and a half, I guess. All right, let me tell you, if you've got a credit card and your balance is $10,000 and you're only making the minimum payment, how long is it going to take for you to pay that off? The answer, unfortunately, is eight and a half years. And by the time you get it paid off, you're going to pay so much money in compounding interest. Listen, there is another option available. If you're a homeowner, maybe, maybe it's right and the time is right to find the light at the end of the tunnel in the form of a cash out refi from American financing. You can take some cash out and pay off some of that debt or all of your debt. American Financing is a family-owned mortgage company. It's in it for you. The average person is saving now about $700 a month. You could delay up to two mortgage payments, close in as little as 10 days, and instead of facing 20% interest rate, you're looking at a 5 or 6% interest rate. American Financing, call them now at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440 AmericanFinancing.net American Financing NMLS 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, it looks like the DOD now is also involved in opposition research. The Department of Defense uh, has been caught releasing uh, private individuals' records um, unlawfully to opposition research teams, Democrats. uh, And those records are being used to smear people, threaten people, uh, and change elections. So... We got that going for us too now.
2: Yeah, that's you know I think we might be on the verge of something really big in this world what uh, do you mean? because if you think about like the I've always thought that the media really hit a tripwire with Trump. They've always been liberal. They've oh, always yeah, been yeah. They they, went they, insane. They, right, but they went insane. Like yeah. they really they basically outwardly stated. This is too important for those old journalism rules. Correct. Right? Like, the, mm-hmm. he's too uniquely terrible. We have to break all these rules. We, can, we now have to fight on the side of what's right mm-hmm. in their minds. Mm-hmm. And we all notice that, I think, with the media. We all saw it happen in front of our eyes. But what is that at its core? That is people using their own abilities, their own connections, their own uh, surroundings to f- To go after this goal of, in this case, removing Donald Trump at all costs. Mm -hmm. The same types of people had jobs within the government, within the Defense Department of Defense, within, as you might call it, the deep state. Mm -hmm. And those people also went insane when this went on. Correct. And we're just at the precipice of understanding what types of moves were made When that was going on, when they all sort of lost their mind and said, You know, I, yes, I'm a liberal, but I'm fighting for our country. Wait a minute, this guy's different. I need to change.
0: But they started there, but they haven't finished. No. Now they are still doing it, and it is getting worse and worse and more widespread. That's why it has to be rebooted. Unplug it and plug it back in with all new people. It's corrupt. All of the files have been corrupted. Back in a second with more. Your dog's food. How healthy is it for him? If it's kibble food you're putting in the dish, the answer is probably not very healthy. Kibble food being sterilized cooks all of the good stuff out. That's why... You uh, need to at least try Rough Greens at roughgreens.com slash Beck. Rough Greens is a supplement you put on the dog's food. The first thing that I noticed is Uno ate his food, and he is a really finicky eater. We couldn't get him to eat or gain weight at all. Nothing, nothing we tried. Uh, then we put uh, Rough Greens on top of his food, and he loved it. Uh, He's eating, you know, easily all the time. He's finishing his uh, meals uh, and his attitude, his um, activity level is through the roof. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLEN-33. That's 833-GLEN-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Hour two. The broadcast begins in just a minute.
2: to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the Glenn Beck program
0: how many people would you say are preppers here in the United States attach a number to it Stu take a guess how many I mean I 330 million people How many are preppers? How many are preppers? Would consider themselves preppers. 10%? Uh Uh-huh. 1%. Wow. 3.7 million. That's it. That's it. We are radically underprepared for anything that might happen. Last night, I did a special on the threat of nuclear war, and there were a couple things that came out of that that were really, really important. First of all, We've had close calls, but this is the first time that you've had two nuclear powers, Russia and the United States, directly engaging each other. It's always been through proxies and it still is somewhat through Ukraine. But Russia is looking at this more and more like an American war against uh, Russia and Putin. They both are now threatening to topple one another. So our very existence is at stake if we lose this war or they lose this war. When you get into that kind of situation, the stakes of nuclear war go way up because you're talking about the annihilation of your state, the toppling of your your country. And that's the only time that nuclear weapons are really, truly thought of in crazy situations by crazy people They think, well, if we're going down, we might as well take them out as well, because we can't have the world led by them. It's a frightening scenario, and we are not prepared. Other countries are beginning to prepare. Should we? Dr. Bradley Garrett is with us. He is a, a geographer and also an author. Bunker. Building for the end times. He has studied bunkers all over the world, and he's going to talk about it and being prepared in 60 seconds. All right. If you need a great night's sleep, may I suggest you get any of the products from My Pillow. MyPillow.com. My Pillow. You can stay cool all night. Your pillow is not just going to. Uh, you know, flatten out in the middle of the night, you will be shocked. I don't, I honestly don't know how this technology works. And it doesn't seem like a pillow has anything called technology, but you pump your fist through each uh, corner, it fluffs up and it doesn't go flat. It's fantastic. My pillow. Now there's the My Pillow 2.0 buy one get one free for a limited time with the promo code beck made with a temperature regulating technology 100 percent made in the usa the pillow comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee go to mypillow.com click on the radio listeners special square and get buy one Get one free, that offer, now at MyPillow.com for the MyPillow 2.0. Enter the promo code back or call 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117, MyPillow 2.0 at MyPillow.com now. Brad Garrett is uh, joining us. Hi, Brad. How are you, sir? Good morning, Glenn. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I, uh... I'm shocked at the number that there's only 3.7 million Americans that would consider themselves preppers. I would have thought that was at least 5%, 10%.
3: You know, I I think that, I think that number is a a bit misleading because uh, a lot of people don't want to identify themselves as preppers. So I I think that, you know, that's a, that's a problem with polling (laughs) Right. because if you, if you ask people, if you switch that question around, you say, um, you know, can you survive for 30 days on your own? Like imagine there's no government infrastructure, you know, water's down, power's down, there's no grocery stores. If you ask people the question that way, then about uh, 11.7 million people say that they can survive for 30 days. So, um, I, 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 think it's a problem of labeling, you know, just like in the past, people didn't want to be called survivalists. <laughs> people right. now don't want to be called preppers. It has a kind of, uh, you know, negative taking on a negative connotation for some reason.
0: It, you know, it's, it used to just be called self-reliance. <laughs> Are you right. self-reliant? Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Know. 150 years ago, everyone was self-reliant. Right. You know, we've, we've become, we've become increasingly
3: dependent on the state. Um, and less dependent on our neighbors, which I think is the bigger problem.
0: You know, I, I, uh, cause I consider myself, uh, well, actually I, I, I go back and forth. I consider myself a prepper because I'm more prepared than most of my friends. Um, however, I, I just know there's going to be something like, oh crap, I forgot batteries. There's going to be something that it all <laughs> falls apart. You know what I mean? Um, absolutely. There's, there's always something, uh, but you know, this is why, um, I spent a lot of time
3: in, in, uh, uh, Salt Lake City when I was writing my my book, Bunker, um, and the uh, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints up there, they, I mean, they are
0: incredible
3: preppers, and they run through scenarios all the time. So they will uh, you know, they'll practice an emergency, they'll work through their food stores. They practice calling everyone on their phone chain, making yeah. sure their neighbors are available in the event of a disaster. That's what we should all be doing. Uh, you know, re- yeah. if you do a dry run, then you realize what you're lacking.
0: Um, it, did, were you allowed into the tunnels underneath Salt Lake? No, I, oh. I tried. You <laughs> should have called me. I probably could have I say, maybe was, gotten you in. It's, it's, oh, in, yeah. it's incredible. Go back. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely incredible um, the they have enough food uh, storage and everything else for the entire city in case there's a, a problem. It's really incredible really incredible that's fantastic. I
3: have to say it was the easiest part of writing my book you know a lot of a lot of preppers, particularly preppers that are building um high level luxury private bunkers uh did not want people to necessarily know where they were sure. or right. what was inside them. But when I showed up in Salt Lake City, I they they, they were they were open arms for the most part. You yeah. know, just let me into all of their facilities. I saw the the canning facilities where they would they fill those number ten cans yeah. with pasta and oatmeal and everything else and yeah. that was it was it was it was quite a thing. But yeah, I didn't make it to the tunnels.
0: Um tell me Since we have had this nuclear uh, warning, um, it's my understanding that there are countries, Russia is one of them, I think Switzerland is one, I think the United Kingdom is one, where they are going back and looking at their old Cold War bunkers, and in, in Switzerland, I believe that they're being mandated by government, you've got to go update the food and water in them. Is that true?
1: That
3: is true. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's
0: kind of ironic that the the bunkers that were built by
3: the Soviet Union in Ukraine have been sheltering people and and saving probably tens of thousands of lives at this point. Um, But that has encouraged the rest of Europe to sort of reassess their their position in terms of bunkers. Um, Switzerland is is uh, the most protected country on Earth, uh, aside from maybe North Korea. But we have no idea what's what's going on, (laughs) really, really. so uh, there is space for um, 102% of the population, uh, which, is, which is kind of astounding. You know, they've actually got uh, 300,000 private bunkers uh, inside Switzerland and, and then 5,000 public shelters. And most of those are um, n- not just fallout shelters, but blast shelters. So those are, those are nuclear, biological, and chemical-filtered uh, shelters that the population can take take shelter in. And, you know, there's actually enough space that if someone was visiting, uh, you know, the tourists could end up in those
0: bunkers as well. That is crazy. Um, So where are we on the scale of these Western nations and nations that would be affected by this nuclear threat? Um, Where are we in taking it seriously and uh, as a government and preparing people for it? absolutely terrible.
3: I mean, uh, uh, the US and UK are probably at the bottom of the list in terms of preparations. Um and that goes back in the United States to the Cold War. So there was a uh, a team of nuclear strategists that included uh, Herman Kahn that yeah. thought about what 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 it would take to um he wrote this amazing book on thermonuclear war. war. I have yeah, a copy of it. It's book. great. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but he ran. He ran these scenarios about what it would take to um, evacuate the the U.S. population into bunkers if there were to be a, an all-out nuclear exchange, and the the cost of construction of those bunkers essentially exceeded GDP of the country Jeez. for a year. Yeah, so that's that's why the um, Kennedy administration. I think it was in '63. Kennedy made the speech where he basically said. Uh, you know, it, it, it's the responsibility of, of each person, each family, each community to take preparation upon yourselves. And that's the path that we've been going down since then. And what, I think what frustrates a lot of Americans is that we now know that as that speech was being made, the government was hard at work constructing bunkers for themselves, for their Correct. families, for their for their aides. So, you know, we, we have a model in the United States and also in the U.K., where if you're a politician, if you're um, a CEO, if you're, uh, you know, someone with influence and power, you're probably going to get space in a bunker, but everyone else is, is you know, left out to dry. And the, the, so, so that is, has triggered in the United States this, this incredible movement in the last 10 years or so of um, private citizens building their own bunkers and some of these even rival uh, the government bunkers that were built during the Cold War.
0: So why did you write this book? Are you, I mean, do you, are are you feeling we're going to need bunkers? Or what what, what what was your motivation here?
3: Well, I, the, the bunker is really a, a metaphor um, for thinking about our deteriorating geopolitical situation, thinking about our, our deteriorating, you know, um, uh, just uh, uh, social situation within the country. Right. Um, I, uh, when I, when I began writing the book, I was interested in, interested in the topic from a sociological perspective. I wanted to know who the private players were that were building these bunkers, what they were worried about and, um, and whether there was any credence to it. And, um, I have, since I wrote the book, purchased the cabin in the woods and Mm. a five acre (laughs) ranch. I've got two different locations that are connected by a a four wheel drive, four wheel drive dirt track. So I can move between them without going on, on major roads. Um, I, uh, most of the people that I spoke to who were serious about their preparations told me, um, that, uh, the, the concerns that they had weren't just speculative right that they felt we were on the precipice of something happening and keep in mind i started writing this book in 2017 i finished it in, in 2021 um so uh, i had a lot of interviews with people telling me that a, that a pandemic was inevitable that we were overdue for one that they happened with regularity every 100 years or so right. and then it happened and so that that made me go back and reassess all the other things that people were telling me that seemed slightly conspiratorial, um, or uh, like like some kind of magical thinking. And then when I went and re- reassessed those claims, they seemed to hold a lot more weight than I expected them to.
4: Yeah,
0: and so you became you became one of us. Anyway, uh, <laughs>
4: sorry about that, Brad. <laughs> but I think I,
3: but, but I think to your point, you know, it's, you know, we're just going back to an earlier time or it's, it's, yes. it's taking on a different kind of mindset where you can't just get on Amazon and click a button and get the thing you need tomorrow. You need to have it now <laughs> because you might not be able to get it when things go wrong. And so, um, and, yeah, I think it's just it's just a kind of uh, changing up our mindset a little bit to think about. Uh, what our position might be in the future, and it might be a little more precarious than it is now.
0: Uh, We're talking to Dr. Brad Garrett. He wrote the book Bunker, Building for the End Times. Uh, You can uh, follow him at his website, bradleygarrett.com. Back with more in just a minute. First, about 3,000 children will die at the hands of an abortion today in the United States. That is an outrageous number. Um, our nation has tipped so far over the uh, cliff that wholesale murder is back page news now. Canada is just—I mean, Canada is doing euthanasia now for for depression. What? 150 of these babies are going to be spared today because of the work that you have done with the Ministry of Preborn. They provide free ultrasounds to moms considering abortions, and they don't stop there. They also provide love, support, counseling, diapers, uh, books, uh, counseling, all kinds of stuff for like two years after the baby is born, free of charge. If you donate today, maybe that number will be 151 babies saved today. Please consider this. It's preborn.com slash back. Preborn.com slash back. Keyword is baby if you just dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby, pound 250. Sponsored by Preborn. 10 seconds, station ID. I remember um, I graduated high school in 1982 and my uh my rights and responsibilities project was a was a uh an essay on the preparedness of our school and i went into our fallout shelter and it was a joke i mean the, i remember the air was not being filtered the air was just from a shaft uh that went right directly outside um now i can't even imagine you know, do fallout shelters even exist anymore?
3: Well, they, they do. Um, most of them are in a, a state of disrepair. A lot of them have been, have been turned into, you know, they've just been adapted for different purposes. Um, there was a, a national fallout shelter survey that took place in the, the late 1960s, early seventies, where we identified, uh, parking garages, basements, you know, spaces that can be essentially used as a as a fallout shelter. So imagine, you know, you're a hundred miles from a nuclear blast. Um, you would get into this parking garage and and wait it out. But most of those spaces, as you say, didn't have any sort of filtration. Right. Um, so you know, you might you might increase people's possibility of surviving, but you're not assuring anyone is going to survive. Really. Um, now, if you try and look for those fallout shelters, uh, they're hard to find. Of course, the government has continued, um, uh, you know, the the, the theme of protecting themselves. So they have space uh, that they can go to. There's a a ring of about 100 bunkers around Washington, D.C. that government officials can be easily whisked away to uh, that, of course, are stockpiled with food. And um, they've got EMP shielded uh, communication systems. Um, they, you know, they, they're, they're blast shelters, so they could take a direct hit. Um, you know, you, you can, so we, we've assured the continuity of government, uh, and that's about it.
0: <laughs>
4: in cockroaches in and politicians
0: situation. will survive.
4: Of course they will.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the government without its people doesn't
0: mean much. does it? No, so, it doesn't. Um,
3: yeah. I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing to imagine during the cold war, every city, in the United States, with over half a million people in it, had a nuclear warhead aimed at it, ready to fire. I mean, it, just, it literally just took someone to press that button. And that city would be obliterated. And it feels like, you know, those nuclear tensions obviously are, are ramping up again. And we might end up back in that situation where we're thinking seriously about what it would mean to lose D.C., Los Angeles, Boston. But I mean, what, you know, what, what would we do and and the, the answer is the government has a plan, but we don't for the
0: most part. So where do you even start um, on uh, a plan? I mean, you know, people will say, I've got food and water. But if you had something, and it doesn't even have to be a nuclear explosion, you have something where everything has broken down. You have 72 hours to be away from people. Otherwise, after 72 hours, if no help comes the thing just goes into chaos. And if you're known as the person with the food and everything else, I hope you have strong metal doors.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a huge debate within the prepper community about uh, bugging out versus bugging in. And it's kind of a rural versus urban debate because if you're in an urban area, you probably want to get out of there. Correct. Um, you know, as, as he said, the preppers have this saying 72 hours to animal, um it, it doesn't it it takes about 3 days before people start really falling apart um people will actually you know sociological studies have shown that in disaster people their first reaction is to help others right um and that will carry on for a couple of days until the people who are providing assistance start suffering and then things start collapsing. So, so is it, is um, it
0: that, or is it that in 72 hours when you know, help isn't coming, then you start to have the bad guys go, we can take it all We we I mean, nobody's coming.
3: I think it's more of a sense of abandonment that, you know, once people realize help isn't coming, then you start to turn to yourself and your family mm. rather than providing assistance to others. And so, um, yeah, you know, what can you do? Well, you know, if we're talking about existential threats—nuclear war, unaligned artificial intelligence destroying us—you know, an EMP that wipes out all of the electronics in the in the country instantaneously—this isn't really stuff you can prepare for <laughs> very right. well, right? And, you know, but but what you can prepare for is kind of minor turbulence. I call it right, you know. The taps turning off or electricity being out for a day or two you know buy it buy a backup generator uh build a go bag um that has your, your passport your car titles your birth certificate right. you know that kind of stuff and okay. have that ready to grab at a moment's notice those are things that everyone can do right now okay. and it, it's really it doesn't take much
0: all right i want to come back though because people are building bunkers and you've seen some of the greatest around the world we'll talk about that coming up in just a second the glenn back john wrote in about his experience with relief Factor. he says a few years ago i had a back injury that left me in pain every single day i tried a lot of stuff but nothing would make the pain go away for very long fortunately glenn i heard you talking about relief factor and i tried it and within a few weeks i not only felt better i felt better than i had before i got the back injury It's truly amazing. Thank you so much. Listen, if you or somebody you love are dealing with pain, please give Relief Factor a try. It's not a drug. It was uh, developed by doctors to not whack you out. It's, It's all key ingredients that will work with your body to fight inflammation, which causes most of our pain. Try the three-week quick start. It's nineteen ninety-five. dollars It's a trial pack, and hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. 70% of them go on to order more. So go to relieffactor.com. Call 1-800-4-RELIEF. 1-800, the number 4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start right now from relieffactor.com. relieffactor.com. 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference.
2: Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Get on board now with the Blaze TV movement. Use the promo code Glenn and save 10 bucks.
0: Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're talking to uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett. He is the author uh, of a, a book called... Bunker building for the end times. He was not necessarily, as he just said a few minutes ago, a prepper. Uh, He was just interested uh, more of a, in the societal effects and reasons of, of prepping. And uh, now he's a, he's considers himself a prepper himself after listening to the people uh, and why they were building these bunkers. You saw some really incredible bunkers, I'm guessing. Oh, Glenn, it was, it was such a privilege to write this book because I was able
3: to travel to eight different countries, uh, looking at government and private bunkers. And I, I got access to some of the most elaborate, luxurious and incredible, uh, private installations on earth.
0: There's one in Europe, someplace, I can't remember where it is, where it's a, a huge underground compound. Um, did you get into any of those?
3: So I think I think you're probably referring to Europa One,
0: which is a, a development um, for millionaires and billionaires.
3: Yeah. So the problem the problem with a lot of these bunkers is that um, the the developers that are building them uh, are trying to sell space before they're built, and they create these CGI representations and uh. photo real photorealistic realistic images of bunkers that do not exist, and Europa one is one of those unfortunately uh. um i i i I chased that rabbit <laughs> for quite a while <laughs> before i before I realized that there was nothing there um wow. but there are plenty th- but there are plenty of examples of uh, of bunkers that have been built uh that I was able to tour that are absolutely incredible. Um, the, the gold standard being the survival condo in Kansas. Did you ever run into that one? No. huh? Okay. This, this is absolutely amazing. So there was a, uh, a, a developer named Larry Hall. Um, he bought this Atlas S missile silo from the federal government. Oh yes. So this was a, yeah. This was a missile silo that would have contained an ICBM with a nuclear warhead on yeah. it. Obviously they've been, they've been decommissioned since the cold war. And then the government is left holding the bag. You know, what do we do? What do we do with these things? So they put them up for sale. And Larry Hall bought one of these bunkers for three hundred thousand uh, dollars. It's got nine foot concrete walls and it's two hundred feet deep. And uh, he had to pump. He had to pump a bunch of water out of this thing because it's in the middle of a, a, a you know agricultural fields in central Kansas. And uh, he ended up building, he spent $10 million building a subterranean skyscraper. I, I call it a geoscraper in my book. I'm, I'm not sure what else to call it. Um, but imagine a skyscraper turned upside down. You know, if if it were uh, the other way around, it would be the second largest, second highest building in Kansas. Holy uh, but he cow. Built it upside, right. Yeah. But he built this thing upside down. So there's fi- there's 15 stories underground. And he's got uh, a swimming pool, a rock climbing wall, a dog park, um, residential structures. He's got um, a dentist, uh, surgery rooms. A, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a shoot, he's got a shooting range down there, three armories, uh, a, a cinema. Uh, I, I I mean, it's just a bar, a bar, which I'm not sure that's the best idea.
4: <laughs>
3: if everyone's confined underground to have them drinking at the bar. But um, he's also got a jail cell. If things go wrong, you know, they can chuck someone in there. And he's even got a, a quarantine facility. So he's got a, a a separate unit connected to the the uh, uh, medical room where he can quarantine someone if they're sick, and then it has a, 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 a ventilation system that's disconnected from the rest of the bunker. I mean, it's... I. I
0: um, I'm just looking at it yeah. online. Just, just, uh, just search for, um, uh, what was what a survival condo in Kansas? Condo. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It is, absolutely,
3: it is absolutely incredible. And I, I can tell you, I looked at the photos of this thing. I had been disappointed again and again when I was writing this book, as I mentioned, you know, I would show up, there was nothing there or I would get, you know, um, people would become very evasive when I asked to see it in person. Larry, on the other hand, said, come on over. And I, I drove up from Texas uh, at rapid speed to, to go see the bunker. And um, it exceeded all of my expectations. I mean, it's, oh, it's, I it's go see a, it. A, a, aquaponics facility in there. They're raising tilapia. They've got, a, they've got a grocery store that he modeled on Whole Foods where you actually get the cart. And you go and you get your cans and you get your fresh bread and you can have a coffee made by the barista How many, wait, how many people can stay in there? So he's currently, he's, he's sold space to about 60 people down there. And, and, um, uh, so he sells either a half floor or a full floor condo. The half floors I believe are, are 1.5 million and the full, full floors are 3 million. Um, but the thing that's really weird when I, when I spoke to him about it is he said, look, I, I asked him. What kind of group dynamic do you have down here? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, does everyone, have they met each other? Do you have get-togethers? Right. Uh, do you have, like, a complementary skill set? <laughs> so, right. You know, obviously, you need the dentist. You need the doctor. You need someone who can make coffee. You know what I mean? Like, you need all these people to get this thing to function. And he said, look, Brad, when someone's writing you a check for one and a half million dollars, you don't ask any questions.
0: You just oh, I check. do. <laughs> I do I, that. Yeah. You know, that's what <laughs> know, right? honestly, that's what would stop me from uh, buying uh, into something like this is I, I want to know that the people I'm with are not crazy zombie fighters. You know, they're they're not. Let's go get you know, that 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 we all are like minded. Um, and, you know, when when society breaks down, somebody always tries to be in charge. And we've seen this in In every disaster movie, you know, somebody is in there and they're like, I got this. You'll all sit down. You're like, oh, crap. So I kind of like it.
3: And that's and that's what Larry told me. He said he said, you know, when when the event takes place and everyone retreats to the bunker, uh, they're not making any decisions at that point. I close the door and and myself and my security team decides who's doing what and when, because you know, we can't have an insurrection. We can't have a mutiny right. inside this ship. I mean, it's, I love this. So a lot of the preppers talk to me about their bunkers as being a, a ship that travels through time rather than space, which I, I just found totally fascinating. What does that mean? So they said, so, so you, you, you stockpile the bunker for three weeks, three months, three years, five years, whatever, right? You've got this kind of arbitrary time that you're going to pass through. And they talked to me like it, like it was a journey. Well, we're going to get in here and we're going to close the door and then we're all on the ship for three years. And the the goal is to exit the ship, right? Like we made it to the other side and then we exit the thing. And so maintaining order and stability isn't just um, about uh, technical engineering. It's not just about, you know, stockpiling food and, making sure that everyone is, is comfortable and happy. It's also about maintaining social cohesion, uh, about maintaining order inside the bunker. And the easiest way to do that, of course, is through an extremely authoritarian structure where you just say, you know, there's one person making the rules here and everyone's following the rules and that's how we get off this ship. I mean, that's what happens on, a, on an actual ship on the ocean, right? You've got a commander who says that everyone's following the rules or you get flogged. And that's how the ships made it to their destination.
0: So do do most bunkers that you saw, are they groups of people or are families doing this?
3: Well, so so this is a change from the Cold War. In the Cold War, you had this model where people were kind of, you know, digging up their backyards and putting in a bunker for themselves and their family. Um, And that model obviously excludes your neighbors, your community and so it it can be somewhat alienating. So a lot of the private bunkers that I that I visited when I was writing this book um had a very different model. It was more like a commune, honestly, you know. They said we're going to bring people in, we want people to have complementary skills. We mm-hmm. want to make sure everyone gets along and that we have a tribe essentially. Because surviving, surviving on your own is really hard. Um, you, you really need community. You need other people um, to be able to make it through a situation, particularly if it's lasting for months on end. And so a lot of these new bunker communities that have sprung up in the past 10 years or so, they're, they're based on a, a community model that anthropologists studied in the, in the 1960s, where when you get to about 250 people, um communities start breaking down correct because that's that's the point at which people don't really know each other correct. as well correct and so that's kind of the limit of what you can do if you're going to build a, a really survivable community
0: so as you're looking at all of this and you were you were looking at it as an outsider at first um how sane does it s- seem to be to do these things or is this just going to be remembered as like a 1950s backyard bunker that just you know was never used?
3: Well, I I think the thing that people are are creating now because it's based on a sense of community, um, it it will be what people will remember is the times they had there. So I I went to another community called uh, the X Point in South Dakota. This is built by a, a California real estate developer named Robert Bicino. Um And he he purchased 575 concrete bunkers that were left behind from World War II. Again, the the government doesn't know what to do with these things. You know, they opened it up to cattle grazing. And then eventually Robert came in and said, hey, I'll lease those bunkers and then I'll sublease them to preppers that want to have a safe space. Uh, so I was there on day one of that thing opening. And I, and I was there when the first four residents signed their, their, their leases to move into it. Now, a couple of years on, there's about 40 families there. And, um, on 4th of July, it's a, it's a ride out there. It's really fun. Everyone, everyone's out barbecuing. They bring their RVs, they bring their families. Uh, everyone knows each other. It's a pretty tight knit community. Uh, I, I think you know, when we look back on it from the future, that's what people remember.
4: Mm. You know,
3: we, we we bought this thing and, you know, we could, we could have purchased, a, you know, a pontoon or an RV. But instead, we bought this bunker in the middle of South Dakota. And we had some amazing parties out there and we met friends. And if something had happened, we could have gone to it. Um, of course, the, you know, the, the, the thing people are mostly thinking about is, when something does happen, they've got a place to go. And so, um, it gives people a a, a sense of peace, you know? Um, We're we're all living with this incredible anxiety about, you know, global geopolitics, about internal strife within the country, and the bunker for these people gives them a sense of of solace, you know? Mm -hmm. They know that they have a place to go, they know that they have a community that they can return to, as you say, of like-minded people, right? Where they can uh, they can retreat and they can talk about what's happening and they can put a plan together. And they spend their time out there working on practical skills, which is a really cool thing because you know a lot of the the partisan political divides that we have right now um, they get they get annihilated when you start talking about water filtration and installing yeah. solar panels and you know what I mean. You yeah, just, you get even
0: just. In, we, we have a ranch and, you know, even just being out there every Sunday and working the ranch, you know, fit, mend in the fence, things like that. A lot of stuff falls away and life becomes much more simple. And uh, and and it does give you peace to know you have a place to go. Uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett. Uh, the book is Bunker, the building uh, building for the end times. Uh, highly recommend it. Bradley, I'd love to have you on again. You're fascinating. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Glenn. You Bye-bye. Sherry wrote in about her dog's experience with Rough Greens. She says, from day one with Rough Greens, my dog Lily started enjoying her food again. We were struggling to get her to eat. Every day was a battle. Food frequently got thrown out, but now she eats all of her food and has so much more energy. I got to tell you, Sherry, this is exactly the same thing that uh, happened with Uno. Rough Greens is not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black. You sprinkle it on the dog's food, chock full of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, you name it. If it's healthy, it's most likely in there. But the thing that first sold me on it was Uno would eat. He liked it. And so he would eat. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it that they are going to send you a first trial bag for free. You just pay for shipping. Go to Rough Greens, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash back or call 833-GLEN-33. Rough slash back, 833-GLEN-33. Call them uh, today and make sure your dog is healthy and happy. Rough The Glen Back Program.
2: Sign up for the free newsletter today at glenbeck.com.
0: Yesterday, uh, the Wednesday night special, you can get all of the research uh, that we did. There's some really um, important things in it. One of them. Can, do we have the Ronald Reagan cut uh, from last night? Listen to this.
4: While they preach the supremacy of the state,
0: declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth. They are the focus of evil in the modern world. Can I ask you? You know he's talking about the Soviet Union. But think about what the Great Reset and the WEF and, and you know, Build Back Better is all about. Play that again. And think of the United States. While they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its
4: eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. Doesn't that
0: world. kind of sound like what we're doing now, right now? I mean, we're, we're like... You know, saying the administrative state is going to run everything, and uh, you're, we're all going to just all march in line. And you're certainly farther down that road than I'd like to be. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, anyway, we um, we shared the you know, pertinent information and took you through the history of why we haven't blown each other up, uh, and and then gave you some evidence that maybe times are changing. And they shouldn't, but maybe they are. Should we be prepared? All of the research, everything from last night's show is available now at glenbeck.com. If you just sign up for my free email newsletter, it'll be sent to you. Uh, And again, you can watch it on demand now at the Glenn Beck Program Blaze TV.
2: So let me talk to you about uh, home title fraud. If you think it's the type of thing that uh, you know only happens to other people, it
0: only happens to other people. That's what I was thinking. Really? Yeah. Well, you're an idiot. Um, but to convince well, that's you, it's not a way to get me. No, to I'm just buy saying something.
2: I, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're an idiot. Okay. Um, think of uh, this. This is something somebody who actually did this stuff and yeah. what he was doing. Listen. Okay, I'm listening. didn't actually take your house sir uh just just know that don't be like glenn and uh and wait that who's that happened to you
0: i mean oh, was that the radio guy <laughs> yeah, he's no. a genius
2: uh, all right just go to the website Home Title Lockcom. in a
0: hall of fame home oh, already there the code is radio home title com. back program president trump had an incredible day yesterday in ohio we've invited him to be on the program uh tomorrow hopefully he will be on with us and another presidential candidate uh, joins us in 60 seconds i don't know if you saw the news today but uh the dod is now apparently sharing classified documents uh With opposition research for the Democrats, it's being investigated now. Sure, that never happened. All of the things that you thought were private, probably not private, really, anymore. Uh, The owners of Truthfinder and Instant Checkmate Background Check Services recently had a data breach, exposed the email address, passwords, first and last names, and phone number, but only for about 20 million customers. So don't... I mean... Who has anything to worry about? Look, nobody can stop all cybercrime. Nobody can protect you or watch everything or catch everybody because it's so vast and changing all the time. But there is one company that does everything they can for the preventative side. And then in case something does slip through the cracks or tunnels through, they have a restoration team to uh, uh, restore your good name and your information. I want you to call and find out all you can about LifeLock by Norton. LifeLock by Norton. Save up to 25% off your first year with a promo code Back. Call 800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code back for 25% off LifeLock.com. Vivek Ramaswamy is uh, on with us. You know, you could have told me, given me a better clue We just talked, I think it was on Friday, and said, are you thinking about running for president? You're like, I'm thinking about it. Come on, you (laughs) knew. You knew. (laughs)
5: Glenn, I think I said I was very seriously considering it. I talked about every possible hint I could have on the show.
0: No, (laughs) I I mean, we hung up and I said on the air, he's running. He's absolutely running.
3: Yeah, come on, I gave it to you. I know. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Uh, So, uh, Vivek, first of all, You are not known as a a politician or somebody who's ever done this. You're known as a CEO. We'll get into some of that. What is it that your platform, I mean, like on with Russia, what, what would you do as president with what we're going through now in Ukraine?
5: I think foreign policy is all about prioritization, Glenn. I would not spend another dollar on Ukraine. I would reprioritize that to take on the number one foreign policy challenge, which is declaration of independence from communist China. I think we can declare economic independence and defeat them economically so we don't have to militarily. That's number one. And then number two, if there's a use case for the U.S. military and weapons, it is actually to protect our border and to take on, and I would go so far as to say decimate the cartels, 100,000 fentanyl deaths in the United States today, 80% of which comes from southern border crossings. Deal with that. Protect our soil here. We could do that for a fraction, Glenn, of the cost that it takes to you know, fight a foreign war somewhere on the other side of the world that has far fewer American interests tied to it. I was in New Hampshire yesterday, and actually one of the things that surprises me, Glenn, is how broad the support for that idea for oh, both yeah. foreign policy prongs
4: is. Oh, yeah.
5: And it's amazing to me that the defense establishment doesn't, you know, it says you can't say that in polite company, but that gives you a sense for where I am on foreign policy. So
0: let me ask you, Vivek. I mean, the Donald Trump was an outsider. He came in and he's told me several times personally he had no idea, he knew it was bad, but he had no idea that he wouldn't be able to trust a soul in Washington. He had no idea how deep the deep state was and how powerful it was. What makes you think you could go in and rock everyone's world?
5: Well, he's told me the same thing, and he's a friend. And honestly, I take inspiration from what he did in 2015. I just think we got to take this to the next level. Part of this is going to have to be just involving shutting agencies down full stop. Now, are there costs and benefits to that? Yes. But I think we live in a moment where the benefits outweigh those costs.
0: So when you say shut shut agencies down, what agencies are you talking about?
5: Department of Education. Let's start there. I was speaking to the Iowa legislature this morning, congratulating them for what they did with school choice in Iowa. I said we need to eliminate the federal Department of Education. But many other three-letter acronyms, even much of the national security apparatus, Glenn, has to be shut down and replaced in those cases with something new. Because when a managerial rot runs so deep, you can't reform it by putting a different figurehead at the top. You have to shut it down and build something new to take its place. And here's the other thing. I mean, I can say this. Donald Trump knows this just as well as I do from being a CEO. If you can't fire somebody who works for you, that means they don't work for you. It means you work for them. You are their slave. Mm -hmm. We need to replace these civil service protections with sunset clauses saying that you know what if i can't be the next president of the united states and work for the federal government for more than 8 years then neither should anybody who works for me I either those federal bureaucrats got to be subject to 8 year sunset clauses and so S- yeah.
0: how are you going to get that done i mean you have to have you have to have a congress that has the balls to do these things and i'm not sure you have the congress on either side of the aisle you got a Mr. few Glenn,
5: you're asking all the right questions right so i take a strong view of the Constitution here. Article two of the Constitution says that the president of the United States runs the federal government, period. So if Congress isn't willing to act as president, I am. And I have studied the Supreme Court and the composition of the Supreme Court right now. You want to take this one and test it in the Supreme Court with me? Great. We can then use judicial precedent to make sure that we lock that in. I believe that Clarence Thomas and others on the court today will be right there with me on my view of Article 2 and how that reads in the Constitution to say that a lot of these other quasi-unconstitutional statutes from the Impoundment Prevention Act of 1974 that says that actually the, that the president has to spend money on specific agencies that Congress has actually authorized it to have to spend on, that's authorization, not a mandate. Firing and civil service protections, as I said, if you're running the federal government, Under Article 2 of the Constitution, the president runs the executive branch. I take the Constitution seriously. And you know what? I think the friendly way to do it is to lead Congress. I personally think that 2024 can actually be a landslide election, Glenn. I'm a separate topic for another day. I'm optimistic about that. But if we don't get it done that way, we will get it done through executive authority per what the Constitution empowers a president to do. This is what, again, I talk about. America first, I'm all in as an America first conservative. We've just got to take this to the next level with what I repeatedly am now calling America First 2.0. Mm. And that's a big part of the reason I'm doing this.
0: So why did you change? You said you were a libertarian. Why, why did you decide you were a, Repu- a, a, a conservative over a libertarian?
5: I used to be a libertarian in college, actually. And I had this discussion with folks in New Hampshire yesterday, too. There was uh, you know, a couple of libertarians that came to one of, my, uh, one of my rallies last night. But here's the, here's the thing. Libertarians, I got two issues. One is they're too meek, actually. So they'll talk about the free market and they say they don't want to make political expression a civil right, as I believe we need to in this country. Yet they don't actually touch the other protected classes like race or sex or religion or national origin. And so my view is these libertarians today, with all due respect, have their heads in the sand because you can't have it both ways. That's problem number one. But problem number two is deeper, which is, you know, what do we do in that free world, even when the state's out of our hair? There's still the deeper question of purpose as a citizen, how we live our lives, how we live virtuous lives. And I care about virtue in civic life and in family life and in faith-based life, too. Not to say that the government necessarily should be involved or mandating those things, but those things matter for human flourishing, for American flourishing. And libertarianism has nothing to say about that. That is why I call myself a conservative today, in contrast to 15 years ago when I thought I was a cool kid in college calling myself a libertarian.
0: So we're talking to Vivek Ramaswamy. He is running for president of the United States as a Republican. Um, we've gotten to know each other over uh, the World Economic Forum and ESG. And you are not only um, uh, one of the biggest voices against it, um, you're actually you've put into action strive, uh, management where you are saying invest with us. We'll do better with your money than, you know, BlackRock. And we're going to use the voting rights that we get to try to tell these companies don't do these woke, uh, things. Um, but there's some charges out about you that I just like to hear you answer, um, you were nominated and selected as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader in 21.
4: Did what?
5: This is hilarious. Okay. This is h- thank you for this opportunity. This is actually a lot of fun for me. Look, partisan politics. I think mean, there's a lot of people on the left and on the right who are threatened by my entry into this race, so I oh, welcome yeah. the opportunity to have this debate in the open. All right. I think you know this. I don't like to boast about myself, but I would go so far as to say no one, and I mean no one in this country has been a bigger both doer and crusader against the World Economic Forum agenda than probably the two of us on this call. (laughs) I would challenge somebody to name – I really mean it. I would challenge anybody to name one for me. If you really pressed me, I would name maybe Elon Musk. And guess what? He's named on that same website of the World Economic Forum. Mm. Somebody else, financially, friend Peter Thiel, he's been named on that same website. You want to know why? Here's the dirty little secret. And I've seen this firsthand. I experienced it firsthand. The World Economic Forum names you on their website without your permission. So the funny part is I have a book coming out later this year where I actually detail this experience. I have phone calls, emails, and I was respectful about it. I believe in being civil. But I said, do not name me on your website because I do not accept your award. I don't want to speak at your conference. They tell me, oh, no, 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 you, you misunderstand. We have all the global billionaires here. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg was a young global right, fellow. They right. gave me the list of names. No, 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 Vivek, you don't understand. This is an honor. I was like, "I respectfully disagree. I don't want to be named. And I don't accept your award. And then they go on to put my name on their website anyway. Now, they asked, they've asked me to speak there and that kind of thing. I declined. But the funny thing about me, and I was learning a little bit about how this partisan politics game works, you know Trump spoke at the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2018 mm-hmm. and 2019. Mm-hmm. Do I hold that against him? No. <laughs> you want to know why? Because <laughs> everyone who's as financially successful as me or Donald Trump or, or Elon Musk or whoever else gets invited to speak. In my case, I said no, because this has been my focus area. It would not have made sense for me to do it. In Trump's case, he said, yes, I don't hold that against him. But I think it just reveals. You know, one of the things that's, that's that's been eye-opening to me about the online version of the conservative movement is, the rise of these clickbait conservatives that, it's sort of sad, want to mislead their own followers to advance what agenda I don't know. But at the end of the day, I also don't want to complain about it. We're in the big leagues with presidential politics. (laughs) This is, uh, you know, we all know it's a dirty game, but it's good
0: to, it's good to, Keep your eye on the fact. Well, I, I can I can no verify
5: opponent of this agenda than me.
0: I can verify one thing: um, the World Economic Forum has me on a list too, and they won't take me off that list either. So it's just not the same they kind of list. It they uh, do it. I know. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next thing is that you have a long time association with Soros, and I'm probably the number one anti-Soros guy in the world can i give you a one-word answer to that
4: question
5: glenn i know you're the number one anti-soros guy so i'm not saying false to you i'm saying false to the long-time association with george soros yeah lie 100 percent lie. now let me let me let me actually give you guys the facts and again this these clickbait conservatives online i I don't know if you know they feel threatened or whatever and they need to (laughs) they need to make up stuff i was 25 years old when i went to law school I got a scholarship funded by Paul Soros, not George Soros, but Paul Soros that allowed me at the age of 25 to pay for law school. And I took it. You want to know why? Cause I'm smart. <laughs> now it's hilarious to me that the same people who bring that fact up from when I was 25 years old, taking a scholarship funded partially by somebody who's related to George Soros don't say a word about the fact that again, Donald Trump, who I love, who I respect, I'm not criticizing him, took $160 million loan from not Paul Soros, but George Soros, Himself. I have no problem with it. You want to know why? Because it's business. Donald Trump knows what he's doing. I don't think he's corrupted by that. I'm not criticizing him for it. He's a friend. But I think it's funny and I think it's revealing that these same people will talk about a 25 year old kid taking a scholarship to help him pay for law school from a relative of George Soros, make a big deal out of that, without saying a peep about Donald Trump taking a $160 million loan for George Soros. And I say that as a friend and somebody who respects Donald Trump because I don't think. That, that disqualifies him or taints him in any way because he's a man of integrity and he's doing business the way he knows how. But you know, I think that when you're in positions like I've been or Donald Trump's been, you get that. I think if you're you know sitting on online all day on Twitter, it can be a very different story.
0: All right, I've got one more question on uh, in this line here, um, and that is, you're a you're a biotech guy and in bed with big pharmaceuticals and and a big proponent of uh, mRNA shots and. Uh, you know, you, you, you have, uh, you, you've never critiqued Pfizer.
5: (laughs) So let me, let me, let me say a couple things. First of those things is true. I'm a biotech guy. I'm proud of my success in biotech. Then five of the medicines I worked on personally oversaw in the company that I founded are FDA approved products today. That is now a multi-billion dollar company, a $7 billion company that I led as CEO. One of those drugs is a drug for prostate cancer, another for women's health conditions from endometriosis to uterine fibroids to psoriasis to one that's particularly touching for me. It's an approved therapy for kids who were born with a genetic disease that caused them to die by the age of two at 100% fatality rate by the age of two or three, now a majority of them have an opportunity to live lives of potentially a normal duration. I'm proud of those things, Glenn. I will not apologize for it. That is part of what makes America great and is part of what makes innovation great is it empowers human beings to live better lives. That is not an association with anything other than human innovation and a commitment to actually making people prosper by addressing diseases and treating them. Now, the idea that I am a proponent of some sort of vaccination agenda? No, I am, I'm on the record right now. I oppose vaccine mandates. I think that there has been a lot of rampant government lying and mistrust, appropriately so did the American public, because of how badly they handled this issue. But I think we can't go to a place where we say that now we don't want people working on innovative medicines to treat diseases from prostate cancer to psoriasis to genetic conditions in children. No, I think that we ought to stand up for the innovation that makes us who we are. And I'm I'm proud of what I accomplished.
0: All right. Talking to Vivek Ramaswamy back with him in just a second. Uh, Jim wrote in about his experience with Relief Factor. He said, I used to have extreme uh, lower back pain. Nothing I tried ever touched it. Then I heard about Relief Factor, decided to give it a try. Relief Factor works so well and so quickly, it eliminated the pain, allowing me to function better than I had even before. Thank you so much, Relief Factor. Jim, thanks for writing in. If you or somebody you love are dealing with pain, please give Relief Factor a try. It's it's natural. It works with your body. It's not a drug, so you're not going to be whacked out. And it has four key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation, which is the cause of most of our pain. The three week quick start, now 1995. It's a trial pack, and hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and 70% of them go on to order more. It's relieffactor.com or call 1 800 the number four relief. 800 4 relief. relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. Uh, let me go back to your platform. Uh, a good friend of ours, David H- uh, Harsani, uh, has a pushback a bit on one of your platform policies. like to hear your response.
2: Yeah, some, I think, respectful questioning about one of your question, uh, one of your pro- policy pr- proposals, Vivek, about making political ideas uh, protected right. I think there's a lot of appeal to conservatives who continually get fired from their jobs over what they believe. Uh, he, he says, though, it, it, we could have some negative side effects. He says, your idea... Would potentially make it illegal for di- not only for Disney to fire a social conservative, but for a Jewish restaurant to sever its relationship with an nazi or a hedge fund would be compelled to keep a Trotskyite who believes profits are evil on the payroll, or Walmart having to wait for the worker who spends his days trying to put big box chains out of business to leave on his own volition. How do you walk this line? Because obviously there is a lot of really negative consequences coming from this. But does if we put, make this a civil yeah, right, let does let it me- go too far?
5: Great question. These are the kinds of things we actually should be talking about. It's a great question. Thank you. So here's what I would say. I would give Congress a choice. Either you repeal the protected classes as they exist, okay, race, sex, religion, national origin, sexual orientation, and you actually leave it to the free market, or you have to apply those standards even-handedly, but you cannot have it both ways. And I'm going to, since this is, you know, since I know who I'm talking to here, it's a pretty sophisticated, you know, counterpart here. Glenn in particular understands this. I know. Let me explain exactly how those civil rights laws and protected classes created the conditions for viewpoint discrimination. We have
0: two minutes. Go ahead.
5: Civil rights statutes, right? Yeah. So Lyndon Johnson thought it was just prohibiting discrimination on the basis of race. But they've now been interpreted to say that that includes hostile work environments against religious minorities. What's one of the ways that now you can create a hostile work environment? It's by wearing a Trump hat to work. It's by saying the wrong thing on social media. So ironically, the law created the conditions for viewpoint-based discrimination while leaving political viewpoints unprotected. So you know what I say? You can't have it both ways. If you can't fire somebody for being black or gay or Muslim or white or Jewish or whatever, you should not be able to fire somebody for being an outspoken conservative either. We have to apply these standards even-handedly. And if you want to get rid of protected classes altogether, great. I'll have that conversation but no Republican or anybody else is willing to. And so in the meantime, I think we need to bring civil rights into the 21st century to protect political expression as a civil right.
0: All right. (laughs) Vivek, uh, I love the fact that you're running. Um, I, uh, I support anybody who is standing up for the constitution, standing up for the right of people, standing up against uh, the endless wars uh, and the lies uh, and you just are just able to run for president, are you not? Didn't you just have a birthday? Are you, what, 36, 37, <laughs> two years, 37? years ago? Two me, years 30 ago? 37. Yeah, 37. you're 37. Yeah. That would be a shocking change from what we have had uh, traditionally since, really, Clinton. And I think he was in his 40s i only want people above 100 years old to run for president really? yes really? i think we should go the other direction okay. I'm sorry Vivek. All right. okay <laughs> uh vivek ramaswamy we'll talk to you again thank you so much uh you can find out more at vivek uh, uh v-i-v-e-k uh 2024.com vivek 2024.com v-i-v-e-k 2024.com all right Stand by. there's more. Sorry. The Glenn Tack Program. Paul Harvey, he yeah. always made everything into a question. Yeah. Good morning, Americans. It's Thursday? <laughs> um, really unfortunate truth is that not, not all meats are created equally. Uh, and not all meats are coming from the United States, even though they have a little uh, product of the USA flag on it. Um it's crazy that they can put that on those meats 85% of the grass-fed beef that you'll find in stores is imported into this country from other places in the world. Yeah, okay, that's not great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to goodranchers.com and see the quality of their meat and the prices of their meat. Their meat, their seafood, their chicken. It all comes from the United States of America. It is all going to support good ranchers. We've got to take care of our farmers and our ranchers now. goodranchers.com. 100% satisfaction guarantee. Monthly delivery of meat, always quality. And it's delicious, and you'll save money. Save $30 with a promo code BECK right now at goodranchers.com. That's goodranchers.com. Head over
2: to blaze slash glenn and sign up for Blaze TV. You can use the promo code glenn to save 10 bucks.
0: I sincerely hope that Donald Trump will take us up on our offer tomorrow to be on the program. I think it was one of the most political, politically savvy uh, moves I have seen from a politician in a very, very long time, if ever. Uh, and that was his trip up to uh, Ohio yesterday and bringing stuff bought on his own dime uh, to help the people of Ohio. I, I just thought that was fantastic and so, you know, that is what he's like. He is that kind of guy that does amazing things for people and and does it because he can uh, not for a photo op. And long before he was running for president, he, he was he reached out to you in a, in a way you've described before as being thoughtful. Yeah, um, very, very. Yeah. He is. He, it's weird. He is he is a steamrolling wrecking machine. <laughs> At the same time, he is a really thoughtful guy. And for a long time, I didn't understand how to put those two together. I thought one had to be fake. It's not. One's business and one's him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's understandable why it's hard to put that together. Yeah. There's not yeah. a lot of people who are like that. <laughs> no, right? uh-uh. makes no, him there's somewhat not. unique. There's not. What would you think of uh, Vivek? You know, I like Vivek
2: a lot. It's, it's interesting to see how you brought up a lot of those criticisms. Some of them have come uh, from, you know, I think a lot of surrogates for other candidates and and uh, you know some conservative uh, some conservative writers and such. Uh, some of them, I think, are just. I mean, you know, he's on listed on a site the World Economic Forum forum for someone who's been successful and he didn't come and speak there is not, to me, a a really, you know, noteworthy criticism. Uh, You know, and it's interesting to see how, when you announce for president, how kind of things change. I mean, he's been on the show a a bunch of times and everyone cheered him on as being this, you know, anti-woke warrior. And the second you announce for president, there's a lot of new criticisms that come out of the woodwork. Um, You know, I I, I tend to be more, like, I, I think his proposal is is interesting and I, and part part of me wants to cheer it on when it comes to making a political speech a civil right but like i i i i can see david Harsani's and others criticism oh, so on right. this like how this would play out because yeah we can all cheer on and say hey we don't want conservatives to be fired from disney but we also know what that means on the other side too when you have at your employment some crazy socialist who uh, has views that are against your company and you have to keep them
0: employed because of this. It would be a real problem. Okay, so he's he's either he's either hasn't thought this one through. Um, I'm sure or, he has. He's too I'm smart sure for that. Yeah. Um, or um, I just disagree with him. You know. Yeah. But there's another possibility that he is so smart he knows that anytime time a libertarian says let's get rid of that, what do they what do they say? You mean get rid of all the protected classes? Yeah, right. yeah. They say, oh, you're racist. Racist, homophobe, right. you know, you're, whatever. Yeah. you're against sponges, whatever it is. But this happened they, to Rand they, Paul back in the all day. All the time, mm-hmm. yeah. So this gives him the ability to pull holes through that mm-hmm. without calling for an end to that, just saying, oh, well, then we're going to balance the field. We're right. going to make everything uh, you know, a protected class because freedom of speech, you got to make that political freedom of speech, a protected class, which they will not want to do. Okay. Well then let's get rid of all of them because yeah, could be the, the things that you're saying won't work because of political, you know, political games. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's why half of the country thinks the, other protected classes don't work yeah and and you know in in a, if you're a candidate like vivek you
2: can't be a game manager you can't be you know to- a game manager not a game manager what you, did you say be a game manager oh okay game
0: like, manager
2: what's a, gay manager? Well, a
0: game manager well game manager welcome to my floral shop you should what understand <laughs> what a game manager is it's a
2: manager who's gay, gay. right I, I, I know but, but I didn't I, understand it in this particular <laughs> it wouldn't make sense in <laughs> okay this, well but like you have to be a game manager game
0: manager, manager. it's a
2: common term in sports which is why, okay, I, why we I had this know. problem yeah, okay. Yeah, okay so a game manager at quarterback is a guy mm. who runs the system he can hit the open receiver he can make all the throws you need in your offense and he's a great guy to have if you have a great defense for example he's my homie no he's absolutely you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and no Patrick Mahomes is not a game manager I don't He's also he not a gay manager, things. but he's yes, he could do all those things, but so much more. He's the, one of the
0: best quarterbacks of all time. Right? Well, I would think that a gay manager would yeah, be one of those guys that could do? Would be one of the greatest of all times? Why else would you be a gay manager? <laughs>
2: why would I try a sports analogy on the show?
0: It's, it's my fault. It's it my fault. It is
2: your fault. I should be fired this for that. This is why you're Let, not in the Hall of Fame and I am. Exactly, yes. This is the exact example I want to I want to bring it directly to the Hall of Fame for consideration.
0: And there you have it. Another example of why Glenn Beck oh. is in the Radio Hall I of Fame. I don't know why so. he obsesses so you go into a supermarket <laughs> and you ask for the manager and he's gay. What's the big that, deal? Not a big deal. Okay. Oh my
2: gosh. To try to to explain briefly okay a game manager <laughs> yes is a guy uh, a quarterback who can stay within the system and do what you need to do not screw it up not lose the game for you a guy like Patrick Mahomes is something totally different
0: who is does can, he'll, give make, he'll throw. He'll throw a pass with a side arm and giving you the side eye at can, the same time. Yeah, you do know a little bit about oh, Patrick well, Mahomes. Well, I mean, don't you, push me. No on one any
2: else of that. would state it that way. <laughs> but yes, that, that's right. exactly. He can make a spectacular play even when you're undermanned. Correct. Maybe you're coming from a disadvantageous position. Mm-hmm. He can make all the incredible throws and right. he can single-handedly hero ball you to a victory. And in some ways, I think as if you're a candidate like Vivek, who maybe a lot of people don't know, you have to make bold proposals or no one's going to notice you. You can't come in here with like, well, I would like to cut taxes by six percent. Like no one's going to you have to make bold proposals. And what and this is a, the type of thing that Vivek yeah. wants to talk about. So maybe making this is a little bit of an overstep as a full policy, but draws attention to his argument.
0: But does he have to play football?
2: Yes, he has to play football,
0: yes. I don't but, understand. And he has the, to play football as um, a gay man. So <laughs> those two things
2: need to occur for
0: Vivek to rise to the Nothing wrong with that. Right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, yeah, I think you, you might be uh, right. I don't know Vivek real well, but mm-hmm. we've gotten to know each other over the last year. And uh, I do think he's... He's uh, a man of action. He's a guy who doesn't say things just to say. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So he's not. So I can see you. I could. I agree that that might be part of his thinking. But if he's doing that, there is strategy behind it to be able to move that forward. And look, I think this is where the party is right now. You know, the,
2: the the praise for Donald Trump, for Ron DeSantis, for what Vivek is doing here. A lot of it surrounds taking issues that in the past 20 years have been looked at as issues you don't want to apply centralized government power to. And that is the right at this moment is looking for people who will selectively apply centralized government power to problems that really piss them off. Mm-hmm. That's where the party is. It's where the movement is right now. I don't like it a lot of the times, but that is where it is. And I think a lot of the candidates that are going to jump into this race and have success are going to be the ones that do recognize that
0: that's where voters are right now. Well, can we survive, though, as a party, as a nation, uh, as a people, if we don't see nuance for instance mm-hmm. um he's a biotech guy great yeah, I, is he a public part uh, pr- public private partnership biotech guy is he a guy who says hey uh, waive all the rules for me because i'm in bed with the government that's different what what, what we have you know I, I have problems real problems with the drug companies right now almost all of it stems from being in bed with the federal government If you're not in bed with the federal government and the government is an honest broker which ain't happening then go ahead do your drugs make your drugs let's make sure we hold you responsible if they're killing people you know what i mean but you should We should be celebrating tech. We should be celebrating new ideas and opportunities. But we're getting to a place to where we see things. We go, hmm, pharmaceutical bad. Yeah. Look, I think this is really bad. And I think, you know,
2: I we can't become the party of anti-medicine. That's not a good direction to go. And I would point out that while many people have problems with the biotech industry and the insurance industry and, you know, the vaccines and really the hospitals and the, hospitals and the and, doctors and the nursing schools and yeah, all this stuff look, that's being it's a, jammed now. Yeah. It's a, it, it has to be on a case-by-case basis. I mean, I would point out that both hi, hi, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine came from big pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, you know, know. This, this shouldn't be just a battle against medicine generally. No, it you has have to
0: look at these things individually. It has to be public-private partnerships and wokeness. Yeah. It's got to be things that actually cancel science, that actually yeah. say this is more important than what the data says. This is more important than, you know, a test run or, you know, the failures. We got to lie about this or cut this corner because, because, because wokeness. That's really what our fight should be about on all of this. Look, I don't mind if when you know companies were saying, Hey, we're going to have a fund that is for environmentalists, it's great, good, go for it. If that's the way you want to invest your money, perfect. Mm -hmm. But don't force everyone to do it, that's the real problem. It's not that we have you know different tastes or different choices ahead of us, it's the government picking winners and losers and forcing us usually into a loser yeah and i think they're look they're, we're gonna get a pretty big
2: field i think of candidates by the time this is over i don't necessarily think that's a great thing i don't um, want another
0: eight i know
2: and i'm worried we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna climb i think i'd love quickly. to have
0: five six
2: yeah, that would be interesting. You know, six yeah. and six different flavors, right? Yes. Six different yes. approaches, not a bunch of people who are doing it the exact same way. So right. far, I think the first three have different approaches, and that's that's interesting. You're certainly going to, I think, see DeSantis uh, in as well, eventually. Oh, yeah. You're probably yeah, yeah. going to see Tim Scott in. These are all pretty yes. serious people that have different approaches. That's good. Uh, you'll probably get someone from the the left moderate anti-Trump type of vibe uh, Larry Hogan somebody like that maybe Liz Cheney someone in that realm oh I think Liz Cheney will do it she's I don't know she's not even a there's Repo- any registered Republican anymore she's mad yeah, well yeah she's but somebody from insane. that somebody from that realm yeah. is probably going to step in and not make any any real
0: or you probably get someone if, from if they don't they'll raise money and it'll be a huge pack against it. Yeah. Which is even more nefarious. More, and also more likely. Yeah. I mean I think I think that's more, more likely. More nefarious. Thank you so much. All right, back in just a second. Let me talk to you about gold line. I am telling you, um, and have been for a while, that gold and silver is an, a hedge against insanity. Can we finally agree that the world has gone insane? You know, did you see the uh, in the show prep today? Did you see the um, the article about uh, Krugman? And if he was if he was giving this analysis on the economy to a corporation or a corporation was was printing this as, you know, how they do their numbers, he'd go to jail. Right. The accounting methods are so shoddy, so shoddy, so shoddy. We are insane. And no one's telling you the truth. Let me tell you that um, gold or silver is going to play a role in the future because the dollar will go away. I know that sounds crazy, but it will go away. So what are you going to do? Call Goldline now. Um, They're offering a special on every total ounce of gold acquired. You can get two half-ounce coins or ten, one-tenth-ounce coins or any combination. Every ounce is eligible to receive free items with every total ounce of gold no limit you'll receive one free two ounce silver maple flex bar at no cost buy two ounces of gold get two silver bars free buy 100 ounces 100 bars free sky's the limit call gold line today find out how they can help you escape the insane world of tomorrow 866 gold line 866 gold line glenn beck Uh, One of my writers, uh, the guy who did the research and the uh, writing for last night's TV show on nuclear war, um, said to me uh, on the way into the soundstage yesterday, he said, Glenn, we've done so many scary shows and uh, this is this one really has gotten to me and I could tell it had. And you kind of go numb after a while. You know, if you're working for me, you de- delve in and research a lot of spooky oh, like stuff.
4: 2004,
2: I was numb.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know. know. You just kind of. But he, he wrote an article for Glenbeck.com and You can get it in the newsletter uh, today if you sign up. As a child of the 1980s, I have strong memories of being terrified, but nuclear war of the Soviet Union. But those fears mostly faded away over the next 25 years as communism largely crumbled into Eastern Europe and Russia. We lost our sense of urgency and alarm over nuclear weapons. This has been a harsh wake-up call to be reminded of the horrific reality that nuclear war would entail. It also didn't help that Glenn told me to re-watch the 83 TV movie the day after. Uh, we always strive to produce important, relevant episodes, but this week has, been, has had a particular urgency as the U.S. deepens its commitment to Ukraine in the war with Russia. The world has changed, and we no longer have just one nuclear fo- foe. We desperately need a potent reminder to the world that we are sitting on a tinderbox of nearly 13,000 nuclear warheads. Do you know that only 7% know what nuclear winter is? Do you know what nuclear winter is? All When a bomb goes up, all the cloud goes up, Okay, all the smoke goes up. And then all that particle stays in the air for months. Nuclear winter, it will drop, if we had a nuclear war with Russia, it will drop the temperature 43 degrees on average. So most of the world will be at freezing summer, winter, fall. Now, you might be listening in Alaska and say, well, it's already You know, 100 below zero Once you get below zero Really, you get past 29 degrees What's the difference between 29 and 143 (laughs) below zero But um, It's The consequences are Astonishing And most of us have forgotten about them Uh, And there is a reason This time There is something different This time about this war And I explain it in the TV show, it's available for Blaze TV subscribers on demand. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn promo code Glenn, or you can get it at YouTube.com slash Glenn Back program.